when money is in the hands of ambitious, heart-centered, badass women, the world becomes a better place. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, business mentor, social media and sales expert, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to build the lives and businesses of their dreams. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life you love right now. We are also talking all things entrepreneurship and personal development, including wellness, social media, confidence, sales, business strategy, mindset, wealth building, and so much more. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, friend. Welcome back to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I am so glad that you're here. And you know, I'm I'm in the business of giving the people what they want with this podcast. So I decided this week I would literally open the floor to see what you guys wanted to hear from me and basically posed the question, if we could have a coffee date where you could just pick my brain what would you ask me? What would you want to talk about? So you can consider this our virtual pick my brain session a little bit because I'm not usually available for the picking of brains. Like I have a boundary around that. (laughs) I put out so much free content. I, you know, create so much free value and so many free resources that either you consume those and, and you ask questions when I open the floor for questions or you hire me and I'm your mentor and we can talk about personalized solutions and troubleshooting and strategy as it pertains to you. But I'm not available for the brain picking normally. So it's kind of a special occasion. And I say all of that with the utmost humility and kindness and just love for you guys. I don't want it to come off as don't talk to me. I'm not available to help you. It's more about I want you guys to take advantage of the free resources I create. And also, we all deserve to be paid for our expertise, right? So I lead by example on that. Anyway, (laughs) that was unnecessary. But I think it's important to mention that, that like asking if you can pick someone's brain is not usually received super well, but today we're doing it. Today's episode is brought to you by my free video training, 12 Steps to 5K Months as a new online coach. This is a totally free video training where you get the proven step-by-step formula that over 100, now hundreds, I would say, of students have used to kickstart their online coaching businesses. So you can basically just say, see you never to the overwhelm and the self-doubt by getting the exact breakdown of what you need to focus on to reach success as an online coach ASAP. So it's going to help you clarify your next best step and really figure out what is important in this stage of your journey. And also there are five bonus tips for showing up and serving with confidence and a bonus checklist PDF to help you really take all of the stuff in this training into action. So you can grab your checklist at bit.ly slash online coach checklist. Again, that's bit.ly slash online coach checklist. And let's talk about the 
grinding and the gratitude of this episode. If you've been around on this podcast for a while, I have a tradition of always ending the interviews asking my guests, since this is a Grind and Be Grateful podcast, what is one thing that you're currently grinding for and working really hard toward? And what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for? And I thought it could be fun if on the solo episodes, I was missing that. So I thought it could be fun if I do that in the solo episodes, you know? I think it's fun and I love hearing from my favorite podcasters just like little catch-ups of their life because I feel like I'm hanging with a friend when I listen to a podcast and I hope you feel that way too. I feel that way when I'm even recording. I'm like, oh, this is going to be in people's earbuds. We're going to be hanging out in real time. Well, not quite real time. Real time for you and it feels like real time for me. Does that make any sense? Probably not. Anyway, what I'm currently working really hard on is getting ready for a masterclass that I'm hosting this week. That is, it will have already happened by the time you're listening to this episode. So I hope you loved it if you could make it. That ship has kind of sailed, so I won't go into too much detail. The other thing I'm working really hard on is I recently got back into the gym. I'm vaxxed and waxed, baby actually not wax. I just think that saying is so funny. Never tried it. Seems too painful. Anyway, I'm back into the gym and I'm loving it. If you didn't know, my background is in first of all, being a college athlete, then being a bodybuilder, then I dabbled in some powerlifting. And so I've lifted weights. I lifted weights for like 10 years straight and like really consistently. And then I took about a year and a half break for obvious reasons over the last year and a half. It was really good for me, actually. I think it kind of, I was feeling very just annoyed. It was inconvenient. I was doing it all out of obligation and no desire to actually go to the gym. And then the panini press happened. And then now I love it again. Like distance makes the heart grow fonder. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I'm really not killing it with my sayings today. But I love it again. And what really motivated me to get back, and I think this is important, is my horseback riding. So I got a new horse, which maybe I'll talk about in the grateful section. I got a new horse and we're going to start jumping bigger and going to bigger shows. And she's just overall such an athlete and super strong and forward. And I needed to get stronger for her. I needed to get stronger to be able to jump bigger tracks. And so that's really my motivation to get back into the gym. And it feels really good to not have much of an aesthetic goal. I'm actually really happy with how my body looks, how I feel in my body right now. I just want to get stronger for riding. And so I'm lifting with a personal trainer Mondays and Fridays. And then I ride Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. So Thursday is like my rest day where I just go for a walk. But I'm really loving it. And I'm past the point where it's like just soreness and pain and it's starting to be fun again. So that's a good time. And what I'm hugely grateful for is my new horse. I'm absolutely obsessed with her. Her name is Atlanta. If you want to, her nickname's Tally. If you want to creep on us, you can go to my horse Instagram. It's at MW Equestrian. And she's absolutely amazing. I was horse shopping for seven months. She was the 12th horse that I tried. When I rode her, I was like, this is it. Like this is, this has been so worth the wait. She is so cool. She's such an athlete. She's so game for everything. And Right now, she her job is very much below her pay grade, so she's going to be helping me move up. She's really like been there and done that for the bigger classes, and I love that I can she can help me learn. So that's what I'm super grateful for, and 
that also goes back to my career and my community and my clients being able to support being a horse girl because that is no small feat. It's a very expensive sport and I'm so grateful that I'm even able to do it and have such a nice horse and be able to spoil her with all the things that make her life amazing and make her comfortable and make her happy without worrying about it. So that's what I'm hugely grateful for. Let's get in to the actual Q&A at this point. I feel like that's I feel like that's quite enough rambling. So, let's go ahead and dive in. These questions are collected from the Grind to Be Grateful community on Facebook as well as on my Instagram page. My Instagram is at Marie E. Wold. If you don't already follow me there, it's a good time. But I'm just going to jump in in no particular order. I have a few questions that were kind of came up consistently and I felt like I could answer with some depth or some actionable takeaway. So the first one is how do you manage your time and avoid being constantly overwhelmed? And I'm going to open this answer with something that might be counterintuitive or (laughs) might be controversial, but I avoid being so overwhelmed all the time by realizing that like it's not that serious, if that makes sense. I have very much historically been the person that is super about like checking off every single thing on the to-do list, super about getting the A+, turning everything in on time. Like I was a very good student, for example. Like in college, I made the dean's list every single semester. I got a freaking like 32, 34 out of 36, right? 34 on the ACT, like really pride myself in getting good grades. And so I was super organized. I was super about getting everything done on time and everything perfect. And I really thrived in that. But then once I started running my own business, I realized there is always going to be more that I can do. There's always more stuff to work on, more projects I can start, more people to talk to, more content to create. There's always going to be more. It's not like in school where you have an assignment and a due date and once you turn it in, you're good, you can chill, there's nothing more to worry about. It's not like that. So, I had to learn that it's not that serious. I don't need to do everything right this second and there are some things that honestly can just not get done and there's no, there's no consequences and the, a lot of the pressure and the overwhelm that I was feeling was literally self-created. Like no one was putting that on me, not like meeting that deadline the way I wanted to or not getting that like little project done was not anyone else's expectation or was not going to hurt anyone else. Like it was all pressure that I was putting on myself. So I really started thinking about like what things were on my plate that were just there because they should be because I I created that belief and what things were actually moving the needle were actually going to like be necessary for other people to do their jobs in terms of like deliverables for my team and stuff and what things were you know actually going to generate revenue serve my clients attract new clients like what things were important and what were just there because I felt like I should be doing them and now I give myself permission to just let the shoulds not get done to be honest. And I know that that's not the answer that everyone's looking for. They're looking for how do I do every single thing and be an efficiency machine. 
But like I said, there's always more. So it's more about, to me, distinguishing what really needs to be the priority, what's really moving the needle, and what is just honestly a distraction, what is honestly just busy work, what is quite frankly a a waste of time and energy, and letting that stuff not get done. So I like the saying that you're when you have a lot of balls in the air, you need to figure out which ones are glass and which ones are rubber. I think Gary Vee said that. And so if there are rubber balls that need to get dropped, I let them drop. And I honestly, there's still maybe a little lingering like, ooh, I wish I could have done that. But I, I give myself permission to not waste brain space on it. So I think that's part of combating overwhelm is really being honest on like what should actually be be on your plate what actually deserves your bandwidth because you you have a limited amount of it but in a more practical sense like time management and how to once you decide what are the priorities how to actually get those things done this is something that I am it does not come super easily to me if I'm being honest and that's something that I'm always always working on so for me what helps with time management is batching my days I made a productivity episode Uh, I want to say a a couple months ago. So definitely scroll back through the episodes and look at my productivity hacks episode because that will help you more with like time management and productivity. But the most important thing is once you've prioritized when stuff is supposed to happen, get it on your calendar and ideally chunk similar tasks together. That is like my number one productivity hack and something that I really notice helps with my overwhelm is not trying to multitask. Like Science shows that multitasking is pretty much not real. Like one in 10 people can actually effectively multitask and it's probably not you. Like everyone thinks that they're the one in 10, but (laughs) odds are it's not you. And so if you can literally focus on one task at a time and bring each thing to completion before you move on to the next one, that will significantly help with both time management and overwhelm because you're being more efficient with your time and you're actually seeing yourself get things done and being able to check them off and bring them to completion versus like dipping into a bunch of different things where the end of the day, you just felt like you put in so many hours and like worked on a bunch of stuff, but have nothing to show for it because nothing actually got finish. That would be like if I could give you a quick tip on time management and overwhelm, that would be it. But definitely go listen to that productivity episode. And before you even worry about time management and overwhelm, really take a look at what you're prioritizing and is it really necessary? Is it really something that's moving the needle for your business, for your life, for your relationships, for your health? This applies to literally anything that like could get on your to-do list or become an event on your calendar similar question. Everyone seems to have this illusion or impression of me that I'm super, super organized and really have my shit together. And I've been talking about this more because I think that that's a dangerous belief. Like I think it's keeping a lot of people stuck that you have to be super, super organized, have to be super productive. You have to really have your shit together to have a successful business. And while that's a great thing to aspire to, I can promise you a lot of entrepreneurs aren't great. That's not a natural gift for them. Most entrepreneurs that I know are more so the visionaries, the messy action people, the like get it done now and figure out how to make it like organized and efficient after type of people. So again, this is another thing that I have to work on. But as far as the organization thing, I think a lot of it is figuring out again, what is actually important to have organized and what is just like 
a myth or, or what is just like because you think you should have it super, super organized? And then what areas actually are important? So, for example, being super organized with like your finances and the legal side of your business and that sort of stuff. Yes, absolutely. But like my desk right now, definitely not Instagram worthy. <laughs> De- there, there's scrunchies, there's credit cards, there's pencils, there's post-its, there's receipts, there's three beverage containers that are all empty. <laughs> like I think it's a myth of thinking that, wow, everyone who runs a successful business really has their shit together. They don't, but they know what to focus on. So yes, do I feel better when my desk is cleaner? Absolutely. But did this podcast need to get recorded and get turned into my editor? Yes. (laughs) So that came first. And that was, it was actually discipline for me not to like procrastinate with cleaning my desk and just sit down and get the thing done. But the secret to having a successful business, the first half of that question I truly believe is a combination of vision and resilience. Vision is like what you see for yourself, for the impact of your business, for your life, for your team, like having vision of this is where we're going and I'm not stopping until we get there. And then resilience is the ability to take a hit or mess up or fall down or fail and keep getting back up because you believe so strongly in the vision and you refuse to quit. I think that is the quote unquote secret to having a successful business. Like there's no actual secret of like, oh, you just do this one cool trick and like you'll be a millionaire. It's seriously having a vision and refusing to let it go. If I had to combine and like bridge these two concepts of the secret of having a successful business and keeping yourself organized, it's getting the right people on board with you to make it happen because my brain is not super built on systems and organization and workflows and processes and like all that stuff. But there are people on my team who that is their zone of genius. They are amazing at that stuff. And I hire them to take care of it for me because I know it's important, but I also know it's not my strength. And that same thing can go for business strategy, for sales, for content creation, for writing, for editing, for graphic design, for legal, for finance. Like you can bring in people who fill the holes that you have, right? So I know that I'm not super great at organization, but I sure am a visionary. I sure am the creative. I sure am the one that comes up with the big, crazy ideas. But the organization and the the implementation to bring it all together in a tidy way, not necessarily my strongest suit. Can I do it? Yes. Should I? Not anymore, really, because there are people that can do it better than me. And I understand that hiring team isn't always realistic for people, especially if you're just starting out. Like I definitely was a one woman show for a good chunk of time. But when you can start filling holes and bringing on people who have strengths that you're lacking, that will exponentially improve your success and help you stay organized. So That is another thing. Another thing I talk about in my productivity episode about organization is how I manage my calendar. And that is absolutely key. I would say when I know what's happening on my calendar and when I see how everything fits together, I feel organized, even if 
my camera roll is a disaster or even if my desk is a disaster, even if I haven't put away my laundry in a week or whatever. If I know what's going on in my calendar, if I know where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be working on, who I'm supposed to be talking to, that helps immensely. So Google Calendar is my Bible for organization, to be honest. All right, moving on to the next one. What has helped you stay focused on your goals despite a pandemic? And a lot of other people asked, what do you do to stay motivated? And I think these are very, very similar. And for me, again, it's the vision. It's what I see for my life. It's what I, the impact I want to create, the way I want to serve people and how I want my business to improve the world really. So for me, I like my I'm my business is really about helping women create lives of like freedom and having the ability to choose the life that they desire. That's what my business is really about. On the surface, I help online coaches and ambitious women make bank while making a difference. Like that's the mission statement, but really like the vision for how I see my business serving the world and society as a whole is like when money is in the hands of ambitious, heart-centered, badass women, the world becomes a better place and their lives become exponentially better in the way that they can support their families and give generously and hire other people and create a ripple effect. So that mission and having a why behind all the hard work really helps me stay focused. And then more on a personal level, like I love the way that my business supports my life. And that's, I have a really strong belief that like business supports your life, not the other way around. And I love the way my business supports my life. I love the benefits (laughs) that I get from having a successful business. Like I talked about at the beginning of the episode, like being able to be an equestrian and buy my dream horse. And we also just like bought a new car. It's not necessarily about the material things, but it's about living the lifestyle that like makes me super happy and brings me so much joy. Like being a horse girl, I would do it at any price point, but especially the sport that I love the most is expensive and I love that my business supports that life and I love that my business lets me travel and have a flexible like day-to-day life and all that stuff. So it's about the why behind everything. And I talked about this all the time as a fitness coach too. Like it can't just be about I want to lose 10 pounds. You have to understand the deeper why. And there's even an exercise called, I think it's called the seven whys, where you literally just state your goal and ask yourself why that matters at least seven times till you get to what's truly important for you. And that is what helps you stay focused on what's really important. And I think especially when a curveball comes in like the pandemic or something major happens in your life or anything, anything, like any major shift that interrupts your current track, you can change the track, but the why and the vision stays the same. So obviously when the pandemic hit, my track had to shift a little bit. Thankfully, I already had an online business and all that stuff. So like it didn't have to shift majorly, but of course we had to respond to new patterns of consumer behavior. And I had to help all my clients navigate it and all that stuff. But the vision stayed the same. So we just had to adjust the track, not the goal. The goal never changed. The way that we got there 
changed a little bit, but the focus stays the same. That is the important thing. And that's also one and the same for how I stay motivated. I, I'm not always motivated. Like, even though I have the best job ever and I love what I do and I love my clients, like there are still days that I don't want to show up and work. There are still days that I'm not motivated to do the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. But when I get more connected again to my why and my vision for my life and for my business, that helps me get that kind of spark back. And I also think it's important to distinguish between am I just feeling blah because I'm not super motivated or am I like actually burnt out and don't care about anything because that's a different conversation. Let's move on. I love this question. How do I overcome imposter syndrome and the feeling that I'll never be as good as other more popular health coaches? So imposter syndrome is universal, I want to say. Like maybe Michael Jordan never had imposter syndrome, but I would bet that there there was maybe a moment. <laughs> And if someone doesn't have imposter syndrome, I would say they are the way, way outlier and 99.9% of people experience it. I personally know a lot of other successful entrepreneurs. I know people who have multiple seven-figure businesses. I've listened to podcasts of built with billionaires being interviewed. And imposter syndrome has been a universal theme across the board. Like no matter what level you're at, you're always going to question like, am I actually like worthy of being here? Am I qualified to be here? Is this actually legit? (laughs) And so I want, if you've ever experienced imposter syndrome, which by the way, if you don't know, that's basically the feeling of like, who am I to do this thing? Like, why would anyone trust me when there's people more qualified or who am I to ask people to pay me for this? Or who am I to think that I can like, achieve this specific goal? Who am I to do this thought process? And feeling like like maybe someone would expose you as a fraud or like people might realize that you don't actually know what you're talking about as much as they think that you do or whatever. So if you've ever felt that, that's called imposter syndrome. And it's also tied to feeling like, oh, I'll never be good enough or I'll never get to the point where of like, the role models that I look up to. But I think the important thing is to first normalize it and realize literally everyone experiences imposter syndrome and it also kind of never goes away. Like all of the core mindset blocks of like imposter syndrome, self-doubt, worthiness, all that, like those come up at every single level. It's not like, oh, I cured my imposter syndrome. I'm good forever. No, no, no. Once you're at your next level and looking to the next one after that, imposter syndrome is going to knock on your door again and you're going to have to face it again in a new way. So get cozy, get familiar with imposter syndrome and get used to these mindset blocks coming up because that's that's just the nature of expansion. That's in the nature of leaving your comfort zone. So first normalize it, but also feeling like you'll never be as good as other more popular health coaches. Or even if we zoom out and it's like, I'll never be as good as the people I look up to. It's so important to remember that the people you're looking up to have probably been in the game a lot longer than you. So if you, for example, look to 
me as a role model or as someone who has a business that you aspire to have or an audience that you aspire to have or a lifestyle that you aspire to have, know that I've been working on this for literally almost a decade. (laughs) I started my Instagram account in 2012 and have been building my audience since then. I've been practicing content creation and community building and all that since 2012. I sold my first thing on the internet the following year when I was, I think, like 16 years old or 17 years old, I think 17, and I started fitness coaching like six years ago, five years ago, did that, wasn't immediately successful. I had an audience, so it was better than most, but like I definitely had quite a few bumps along the way and took me several years to really figure that out thanks to like when I finally hired mentors and stuff. And then now I've been business coaching for multiple years. So I've been in the game in some capacity for between five and like nine years, depending on what you're looking at. And so if you're comparing yourself to me or any other successful online coach, remember that they've probably been working at this longer than you. And that's not to discourage you. That's not to say like, oh, you can never catch up. That's to say like, you need to expect that it's going to take time and effort and patience. And also they were once brand new wondering how the hell they were ever going to get to X level, just like you. Like they literally started just like you at one point. So I want that to be empowering. I want that to be something that encourages you to keep going because everyone started brand new. Everyone started knowing nothing. Everyone started feeling awkward, feeling like, how the hell am I going to do that? And if they're anything like me, a lot of people started off not even realizing like how far they could go, right? So I want you to Take yourself out of that comparison game of like, oh, how can I ever get there? How can I ever be as good as that person? You can be as good as that person with, again, vision and resilience. And I'll add also patience and guidance to that. Like that is how you'll be as good as them. And if you can focus on vision, resilience, patience, and guidance, took a second for me to remember those, then you're good. Like it's just a matter of time until you are in their league, right? And and maybe they keep growing at the same rate as you and you never catch up to them. But like you can absolutely get to wherever you want to be if you focus on those four things. And I also think it's important as a coach to really focus on your area of expertise and like helping people where you are versus comparing yourself to like the industry leaders who are known for like their research or known for being super specialized in this one thing. I think it's important to like start where you are. You can see that this is a path that you could take, but like you don't need to help like super complicated, advanced types of clients right out of the gate. You could like there are new people starting their fitness journey every day. There are people who are in your shoes from five years ago every single day. And like, I know that you could help you from five years ago. I know for a fact that you could help you from five years ago. And so if you focus on the people that you know you can help, the information that you know that you're confident in, the problems you know you can solve, 
that will build so much more confidence and competence and authority. And you gradually can solve more complex problems and be an authority for a larger group of people or be an authority for a more complex like like problem. But start where you are, build confidence and competence where you are and trust that when you put in the work and you are resilient and you're patient and you have guidance and you have that vision, that you absolutely can get there. I think we we're in a rush <laughs> to get like build this brand or build this business that our like role model took 10 years to build and we're wondering why ours hasn't gotten there in six months. And that's just not fair. Like, of course you can move faster and like fail less and like excel sooner if you have help, if you have a mentor, if you have team, but it's still, the shit takes time. Like it's gonna take time. So if you're really in this for the right reasons and if you really have the vision, then you'll be okay with that and you're in it for the process. So that's another thing to consider. Next, let's talk. Where do I look for inspiration? Where do questions? Where do you look? Where do I look for inspiration when brainstorming new curriculum for your clients? So the way that I always think about creating a new curriculum, whether it's for a masterclass, a free resource, a course, a longer program, whatever it might be is like, what problem am I solving and what's the transformation I'm facilitating with this thing? So transformation is all about going from point A to point B, right? Like you are taking someone from one place and bringing them to another. So this is actually, I call it my transformation mapping process, but it's seriously like visually mapping out what is happening at point B. A, like objectively, where are they at? What are they struggling with? What are they feeling? And then point B, where you're taking them objectively, where are they at? How are they feeling? What are they working on? Like, what have they achieved? So if you can understand where someone's starting and where someone is ending as a result of your thing, then you can understand what needs to happen in the middle. But you have to know like the starting point and the ending point in order to fill out the middle. And remember, you don't need to take someone from A to Z. Like notice I said point A and point B. Maybe you're taking them from point A to point E or something like that if it's a a longer curriculum or a more in-depth kind of offer. But (laughs) you don't need to like solve every problem they're experiencing within one container. You can take them from point A to point B or C or D or E or something like that, but you're not taking them from A to Z. So don't worry about overhauling someone's entire life (laughs) with one offer. Don't put that much pressure on yourself. But again, with transformation mapping, it's about knowing what's point A, what's point B, and then what is the path they need to travel to get there. So what are all the things that need to happen? What are all kind of the checkpoints that they need to go through in order to create that transformation for themselves. So an example of that would be like point A, someone is not working out consistently. They're eating really poorly. They feel really not confident in their body. And point B is they have consistent healthy eating habits. They're moving their body daily and they're feeling like their goals are possible or they're feeling more comfortable in their body. Again, this isn't overhauling their entire life, but we've made positive changes And people are experiencing a different reality at point B. So let's say that's the transformation. What are the checkpoints? We need to get them to eat more vegetables, drink more water, 
move their body consistently and do that in a sustainable way that is fun for them. We need to help them change the way they look at food and exercise, right? So like that's the process that needs to happen. Those are the checkpoints. That's the journey that we have to take them on. And then the last part of transformation mapping is what are the tools that need to happen to navigate that journey? So if you're saying, okay, here's point A, here's point B, here's literally the, the path I want you to take. What do you need to equip them with? What do you need to support them with to make that happen? Is it workouts? Is it specific types of knowledge? Is it accountability? Is it worksheets? Is it goal setting? Like what are the actual things that they need in order to travel that path? So that's my process and the process I use with my clients, a very shortened, condensed, simplified version of how I brainstorm new curriculum for clients. I don't just sit down and think like, hmm, what do I want to talk about? It's all about what is the transformation I want to facilitate and then reverse engineering from there what needs to be included in order to make that possible. It kind of depends if it's going to be a course or a free resource or something like that, like depending on how much there's going to be. I love a good sticky note wall. I love a good brain dump. Like there are lots of different ways that you can kind of spatially organize all of your ideas, but transformation mapping is absolutely always the first step of the process. And like even now I still have all of my VIP clients, like coaches who are making multiple five figures every month, like they're also doing that process every time they come out with something new. I'm doing that process every time you come out with something new because it gets you super, super clear. And it also comes in handy for later once you need to figure out what your messaging is and how you're going to sell the thing because you need to be able to clearly explain like what the transformation is and how you're getting people there if you expect people to see the value in it, right? Let's move on. I think this is last but not least question that we have time for today. What have been the most difficult lessons you've learned the hard way? I could go so many directions with this. I would say the first one is that you don't need anyone else's approval. That was something that like many people I really struggled with in like high school, you know, like as a teenager, I really wanted to be included in everything. I really wanted to be, you know, like always invited to like the cool things and in the know of like everything that's going on and you know dress the way that like other people were dressing and have the interests that other people had and like I wanted to you know like prove myself that like I was one of them kind of like I I definitely uh, sought the approval of other people back in the day and then I continued that pattern just in different packaging throughout my life. Definitely as like a fitness influencer, as a athlete, as a college, a 20-something dating, like I've definitely had that pattern of seeking approval from other people. And especially when you basically grow up, I don't want to say in the public eye as if like I'm a celebrity or you know, I'm like a political figure or something, but I have had way more eyes on me than like the average person ever will. And I've had so many opinions and so many expectations and so many assumptions put on me over the years that it's hard to to just stand in your truth and stand by who you know you are what you know your intentions are, what you know your actions are, because 
the truth is if there are blanks for people to fill in, if you have a, a public, if you're a public figure or have an audience, a brand of any type, like when you leave blanks open, which you have every right to do, people will fill them in with whatever the hell they want. And a lot of times it will be negative assumptions. It will be assumptions that would reflect poorly on your character or things that you actually don't believe in or weren't doing or were doing or whatever. Like people are just filling in the gaps and you have to like not care. (laughs) You have to be able to detach yourself and be like, that's their perception. That is not my reality. That is not who I am. That's not my agenda. That is not what I care about. That's not my intention. And not desire the approval of everyone because, first of all, you could literally spend 24 hours a day justifying your decisions or explaining why you did everything or, you know, trying to make everyone happy. You could literally spend every hour of the day trying to make everyone else happy. And there are still going to be people that are disappointed because different people want different things from you. So it took me a long time. And I think it's still something that I have to consciously choose differently, consciously not fall back into the pattern of seeking the approval of other people. And especially being on social media, it's just so easy to get conditioned to seek approval, to to seek literally a like, to seek the comment, to seek the positive feedback. But I think one of my like lifelong works in progress will be just doing things to make myself happy and doing the things that I know are right and not stressing so much about do other people approve because when I did that I was miserable and that's why it was that's why I learned the hard way <laughs> like when I really was just seeking other people's approval I was miserable I wasn't living my truth I didn't feel excited about what I was doing I struggled to stay motivated, stay like keep the vision because it wasn't my vision. Like that's something that I talked about in this episode is holding the vision when it's not your vision, when it's the vision that you think you should be pursuing. That's not very motivating. And I spent so much time and energy seeking approval and still never actually got it. Still never actually felt like I <laughs> I got enough of it because again, you can never make everyone happy. So prioritize making yourself happy. I think that's absolutely one of the most important lessons that I've continued learning, have learned and will continue to learn. And that I think that's very universally applicable. Like you have to prioritize your own happiness because this is your life. Like no one else is going to receive the impact of your decisions and your actions and your thoughts the way that you will. And no one else is thinking about what you're doing nearly as much as you are. So you got to do what's right for you. Obviously, not in a way that it's not like you versus everyone else or like screw everyone else. But you have to make the decisions and do the things and seek your own approval, seek your own validation. So I would say that's been one of the most difficult, one of the most painful lessons, especially navigating that publicly, because you have to just be able to expect negative feedback. You have to be able to expect that people won't agree with you or they won't understand why you do the things that you do or why you don't do things. But you have to know, like, I'm good. I have my own approval. I know where my head's at, where my heart's at, and I don't need their approval. 
that's a tough lesson. And it still can be triggering for me. It's, it definitely still can, but I've gotten so, so much better at it. So I think that's going to wrap it up for questions for this episode. If you submitted one, thank you so, so much. I will do this again soon so that we can continue the discussions. I can give you another chance to pick my brain. I hope that you are having an amazing week. And until next time, grind and be grateful, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with me today. I hope you loved this episode. And if you did, please take a moment to share it with someone or pop the screenshot up on your Instagram story and tag me. I especially love when you guys share a little on why you enjoyed the episode so that I can keep making more content that you want to hear. Last but not least, don't forget to hit subscribe and I will see you again next week. Until then, grind and be grateful, my friend.